For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Mediators World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana. This is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. Hey, why does a male opossum have a forked penis? Because the female opossum has a bifurcated vagina, of course. I honestly don't know why opossums are built this way, but it does sound fitting, if you think about it. The opossum is the largest marsupial found in the Western Hemisphere, and it is the only marsupial found north of Mexico. Mexico, on the other hand, has seven marsupials to North America's one. Opossums are known for a defense mechanism brought on by stress. They emit a foul odor from their anal glands and appear comatose. To play possum is, of course, to play dead. Everybody knows that last one. So here are a couple of opossum facts that you may not know. The possum, or a possum, has a total of 50 teeth, which is a lot. Likely the first European description of the opossum was in 1611 by the brief Jamestown inhabitant William Strachey. Strachey said, and quote, Beast in bigness of a pig and in taste alike. They must have uh, produced a big possum in Jamestown. <laughs> the gestation period of a joey, which is a generic baby marsupial name, in this case, a joey opossum, is only 13 or 14 days. The newborn crawls into the pouch, and if the youngster finds a teat, it will be weaned, as in not relying on mother's milk, between 70 and 125 days. Which, when you consider the life expectancy of a wild possum, uh, which is less than two years, is a lot of time dedicated to carrying and feeding young. Roughly one-sixth of the female opossum's life for one litter. Opossums have surprisingly wide diets, but what makes them a pretty darned good neighbor is that they will eat an estimated 5,000 ticks per season. Considering my history with ticks and tick-borne illness, I wouldn't mind having a few opossums around in the spring. Oh. One more opossum fact for you. 
Opossums have a particular molecule or peptide in their blood that can neutralize snake venom. When tested, the North American possum peptide worked against both the western diamond-backed rattlesnake and the Russell Viper's venom, a poisonous snake native to India. Another interesting bit of possum history, the folks from PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, lobbied to take down the loftiest of opossum festivities, the possum drop in Andrews, North Carolina. Brasstown, North Carolina, as everyone knows, is the typical center of possum events. Brasstown, being the unofficial possum capital of the U.S. and the original site of the possum drop, the event was started by Clay Logan, local proprietor of Clay's Corner Store, who, quote, wanted to draw some attention that wouldn't get him thrown in jail. Anyway, in this region of North Carolina, New Year's is rung in by partying under a possum hoisted high above the crowd in a plexiglass box. Just like the ball in Times Square, the possum is lowered to a countdown at the stroke of midnight. <laughs> now you may be defensive, thinking what's wrong with people raising a little cane on New Year's? And the answer is nothing. But here, in this case, people are raising a live possum to the top of the Kane Law Firm building. So, you know, it's different. PETA obtained a video of the event and pasted it to their YouTube page, garnering such comments as... I was preparing for this possum to be hurled out of the cage above the crowd, but they literally raise it up and down. And I was dropped from a 40-story building once in a device they call an elevator. And I thought they would actually drop the possum, they just lowered it down. And misleading title. And anticlimactic. And you get the gist. Kind of telling of the people that tune into the PETA YouTube channel. It's like they want to see something bad. And, you know... This probably isn't the way a possum wants to spend a day, be it New Year's or not, but this is, oddly, the only congressionally endorsed possum event in the United States. You can thank North Carolina's former congressman, Heath Schuler, for that. You can find more on the former congressman under an article titled, 25 Years Ago, The Redskins Picked the Wrong QB. That one's in the Washington Post. The most disturbing part of this situation, aside from just messing with wildlife, is that the state of North Carolina actually passed a series of bills around 2013, including the, quote, Opossum Right to Work Act, or SB 60, and the Clay County Opossum Exclusion Law that apparently briefly suspended trapping laws and wildlife protections surrounding the event, which, gang, I just have to say, North Carolina is a big state. I find it hard to believe lawmakers in that state don't have anything better to do. Aside from that, you North Carolinians, look at all the awesome facts I just rattled off about opossums. Prehensile tails, naturally containing antivenom, are only marsupial, tastes like a pig, and takes care of 5,000 ticks that could be sucking on your blood, not to mention, again, the ever-popular, uh, you know, bifurcated genitalia. If you think about it, we should be raising these critters up in celebration. Let's just make sure they're comfortable when we do it. You may be saying at this point, geez, Cal, what is with all the possum facts? Where did this come from? The answer is a listener sent in a video of an opossum picking ticks off of the head of a white-tailed deer and asked the question, is this tool use? The answer is, of course, no. The opossum is not a tool, it is an animal, and therefore a deer letting the opossum pick the ticks off of its head is an example of a symbiotic relationship, mutualism. The opossum gets a meal delivered in the form of ticks, and the deer gets rid of annoying parasites. 
then I, you know, found the rest of this stuff digging around, so you're welcome. This week, Australia, lawbreakers, mountain goats, and so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. My week is powered by Steel Power Equipment, the maker of all fantastic things that cut, spray, snip, shear, and occasionally blow your yard and lawn clean. That's just in addition to their line of both gas and battery-powered chainsaws. Give them a look. I sure like them. As it is still waterfowl season, I rolled out to my ma's place outside of Billings. Still just an incredible amount of geese flying around, none of which wanted to come sit in the field, but through a combination of calling and flagging, I managed to persuade a few to come check out my dozen decoys, which, man, dozen decoys does not look like a lot of birds. May have been a little undergunned. Anyway, flagging which is waving a black flag or a black flag in the shape of a goose in order to get the attention of passing birds is a technique I find has gone a little out of style. I don't see it that often, but that may be because the folks I see with giant goose spreads as in lots of decoys also have spots that the birds actually want to be in and find it unnecessary. Anyway, a morning of laying in the field under a pile of old grass hay resulted in three geese, one of which was a lesser, as in a smaller goose for our purposes, and two were quite large. I clean the geese like I do a lot of my ducks. I pluck the breast and thigh and fillet the meat off the bone, leaving the skin on. I wrapped and froze a couple of breasts, and the thighs are currently in the sous vide, making a confit. This is a great way to do sous vide, as you can either leave the skin on the birds and cook them in their own fat, or if you want to skin the thighs and legs, you can add only a couple of spoonfuls of the fat of your choice. Either way, cooking in the bag is much cleaner and way more hands-off than simmering a vat of fat for hours in the oven or on the stovetop. The whole fatty pouch of goose legs and thighs can be thrown directly in the freezer as is. Then, when you want them, it's nice to put them on a cookie sheet on top of a cooling rack and heat them up until the fat drips off. Then you can use the pulled meat on anything, and being as it's cooked in fat, it will not disappoint anyone. I also cooked a whole breast skin on by salting and scoring the skin so the fat would melt off. In order to melt the fat, I placed the breast skin side down in a cold pan and brought it up to hot, then flipped the breast and seared the skinless side. Then I threw this in a bag in the sous vide. I guess if you're not hip to sous vide, look it up. It's a French word for uh, crock pot, I believe. Anyway, brought the breast up to 134 degrees over the course of about two hours. Then... Took it out of the bag, browned it so it looked real pretty in the leftover goose fat, and served it like a gorgeous piece of beef. Eating this was a mental treat. Your tongue said beef, but the mind knew that this medium-rare deliciousness previously honked, not mood. You can find Danielle Pruitt's Steakhouse Goose Recipe at TheMeatEater.com. I think it's worth a shot. One piece of critical information before we get down to more news The new Meat Eater off-air live tour tickets are now available at TheMeatEater.com. Pick a location and come visit Stephen Ranella, Giannis Patelis, and myself, and a bunch of special guests along the way. This year, the events will not be broadcast in any way, and there will only be 65 VIP tickets sold per venue. These events are incredibly fun. I hope, we hope, to see you in San Francisco, Portland, Phoenix, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, Boston, Detroit, Minneapolis, Chicago, D.C., Pittsburgh. Come out, get loud, and have some fun. Ah! 
A lot of people think that getting life insurance means you're insuring yourself for yourself, but it's actually the exact opposite. It's insuring yourself for your family. So if something happens to me and I'm not around anymore, I can have more peace of mind that my family can have some financial support. And that's where Fabric by Gerber Life comes in. More than once in my life, my journey, people have described me as an independent person. And that's how I want to stay even when I'm dead. That's how I want to be remembered. That's why I have life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. If you've got kids, and especially if you're young and healthy, the time to lock in low rates is now. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash cal. That's meetfabric.com slash cal. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash cal. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Moving on to the tippy top of Grand Teton National Park. Many of you have written in very concerned with the lethal removal of mountain goats from the central portion of Grand Teton National Park. An area closure began January 12th, starting on the south side of the south middle Grand Teton, Mount Owen, Tiwanot Mountain Peaks, on the west by the park boundary, on the east by the western shores of Jackson, Lee, String, and Jenny Lakes, and on the north by Rolling Thunder Mountain and Eagle Rest Peaks. 
in between all that stuff, it's all closed. No public access will be allowed in the area during this time, the park said in a news release. And if you don't listen to Cal's Week in Review, there's going to be signs posted at the uh, big access points. The issue here is Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep, although iconic, are kind of sissies. They're very susceptible to disease. They like beating each other up, but they kind of get pushed around by other critters, such as the mountain goat. Now, the mountain goat is native to North America, but it's not native to the Teton Range. The goats apparently migrated into the Teton Range from the neighboring Snake River Range. We transplanted mountain goats into the Snake River Range because A, they're fun to check out, and B, they're incredible animals to hunt and eat. At this point, the mountain goats do overlap with the sheep, meaning they're competing for food and posing a potential risk of disease. MOV, or a strain thereof, is incredibly crippling to sheep. Oftentimes, this disease is incredibly hard to eradicate from a sheep herd, and the effects can be irreversible. Nobody wants to see these goats killed. costs a lot of money to capture and transport the goats elsewhere, and this is the option the park has at its disposal. Now, it costs money to lethally remove goats from a helicopter, or shoot goats from helicopters, as well. Many people in the hunting community have voiced their frustrations over the fact that hunters pay money, sometimes lots of money, just for the opportunity to hunt and hopefully harvest a mountain goat, and here are the feds using our money to kill them. Well, there's a difference. A, this is a national park. Gets lots of visitors, which is why they're using helicopters at this time of year where the goats have retreated up to their winter range. It is extremely difficult, extremely dangerous to go find goats in their winter range. That's why a lot of goat tags don't get filled even in November. There's a lot of traffic in Grand Teton National Park, so the odds of having a controlled hunting season for the general public, even in the fall, when all the other interest groups out there are overlapping, is very, very low. And in my opinion, it's just a bad PR situation for hunting if that were to be allowed. Because the main point here is this is not a hunt. This is an eradication. And there's a big difference between hunting and eradicating. So what has been determined to be the best for the native wildlife and habitat is eradication of a non-native species, not the hunting of a non-native species. Keep in mind, I love mountain goats. I've been on several hunts, and I encourage anyone to go have that experience. But hunting and eradication, again, are not one and the same. To quote First Light founder Kenton Carruth, eradication may be a job, but it's not my job. Moving on to the law enforcement desk. Texas Parks and Wildlife makes a whopper of a fine stick. A North Padre Island recreational boat captain was issued 17 citations for going over the limit on Red Snapper last 4th of July. An additional 30 citations were later issued for failing to complete wildlife resource documents. Oops! After a tip was received regarding the captain in question, suggesting that he was going over the daily bag limit of four Red Snapper per person per day, Game wardens located the vessel near North Padre Island with seven anglers on board. When the boat was searched, they discovered 45 red snapper in possession. The captain was convicted and fined more than $26,000. That's $578 per fish. Moving over to Kansas and sticking with the crime beat. Apparently the state of Kansas and a landowner have been in a feud over the ownership of a deer shoulder mount. The 14-point Osage County buck is the second largest typical white-tailed deer in the state. 
The buck was killed in 2011 on Tim Nadu's property illegally. A poacher, who apparently shot it out the window of his vehicle with a 9mm handgun at 50 yards, which is fancy shooting. The pistol-packing poacher eventually had to show off his stolen buck and did so by placing it in a big buck contest in Topeka where it was seized by wildlife officials in 2012, who must have gotten a tip. At this point, the landowner sought out a salvage permit for the buck and, apparently being denied, appealed to the governor sometime in 2013 for the deer. Then, in 2014, the Kansas state legislature passed a bill granting landowners the ability to claim animal parts taken illegally from their land. However, this bill was not retroactive, meaning that what was in the past did not apply. Further Department of Parks and Wildlife found more reason to deny Nadu when they found that the property in which the buck was illegally taken actually belonged to Nadu's mother, who was not making the claim. Now, at this point, I'm just going to give you my opinion. Keep in mind this is an ownership, a property rights type of situation. I get very at odds when situations like this arise with wild animals being argued as property. My altruistic view of wildlife in North America is that states manage the animals by collecting accurate data for health and population. Then they say how many animals can be proactively taken. As in not killed by accident or winter kill, I'm talking hunting of course. The buck was killed 50 yards from a road on the corner of 133rd Street and Wanamaker Road during what I think is possibly the best day of the rut, November 11th, Taking a look at On X and land ownership, if indeed this is where the deer was taken, this corner has several property owners around it. And if you think about how much a deer moves, a buck deer moves during the rut, they put on a lot of miles. It would be hard to say that this buck spent any more time on Nadu's property or Nadu's mother's property than any of the other landowner's property if you just take into consideration where the buck was killed. So based off that, what constitutes legal claim or ownership? If it's just a finder's keeper scenario, the state found the illegally killed deer at the big buck contest in Topeka. No matter if you think the buck belongs to the landowner or the state of Kansas, here's what happened. A possible happy ending if you believe in the free market. The landowner outbid a representative of Bass Pro Shops in a closed auction consisting of two bidders. The price, $16,001. Proceeds go to wildlife in the state of Kansas. Right or wrong, I do not know, but that is what happened. Congrats, Tim Nadu. Moving on, but sticking with crime. Only this time, the crime may be in progress as of this recording. As previously mentioned here on the Week in Review, the state of Minnesota Department of Natural Resources issued a temporary moratorium on the transport of farmed deer in the state after the most recent discovery of a dead captive white-tailed doe and confirmation of cause of death as CWD or chronic wasting disease. The temporary order was imposed on December 23rd, 2019 and is scheduled to expire January 29th, 2020. Minnesota Department of Natural Resources is currently working with the Minnesota Board of Animal Health to track past movements of deer in and out of the farm facility where the eight-year-old doe was found dead and confirmed with CWD. These measures are being taken in order to prevent the further spread of the disease. Keep in mind, a deer on a truck moves a heck of a lot faster than a deer on a hoof. Now, for the crime. 
a captive servant farmer who raises selectively bred monster whitetail bucks, has broken the transportation moratorium, insisting that his contractual obligation to the Minnesota Sportsman Show is more important than the transportation ban. His business is based on producing deer lure attractants and selling the experience of shooting his farmed deer. Because this gets confusing, I'm going to refer to these farm deer as livestock for the rest of this report. I don't want people thinking that these deer are just deer that were found on a farm. This is a farm with high fences where captive deer are raised as you would livestock. Clear? Clear. Part of this operation is allowing individuals who would like to shoot the livestock to come out and do so for a fee. This next part is directly from the operation's website. Each hunt takes place in our 140-acre hunting preserve that consists of tall oaks, poplar trees, thick underbrush, diamond willows, and food plots. Our 2020 hunting prices are now better than ever. When we first started our hunting preserve, it took us four to five years to grow a 180-inch buck. Now, with better genetics through artificial insemination, our two-year-old bucks are routinely over 200 inches. Then there is a list of prices, final price determined upon the total score of the deer. For quick reference, these deer are measured by the size of the antler they grow. You can go check out the Boone and Crockett Club website and there will be a full diagram as to how to measure antlers or horns. A 180-inch whitetail buck for your average hunter wandering around the woods is kind of like seeing a celebrity in the local's gas station. You may have heard of it, but it hasn't happened to you or anyone you know personally, but you hear the stories. That's the small end of the spectrum of this uh, particular deer operation. The big end of the spectrum, which they state they grow to 275 plus inches, for your average hunter wandering around the woods, that would be the equivalent of, um, not trying to be blasphemous here, but like seeing Jesus in the woods, shaking his hand, and then before parting, he stops you and says, hey, you look like you could uh, use a cold beer. My friends Johnny Cash, Lady Gaga, Bruce Springsteen, and Bill Murray are having some really cool folks over later. Why don't you come by? And uh, go ahead and bring some friends. Oh, and uh, I saw a really nice buck right over the hill. In other words, it ain't going to happen. Again, these animals are livestock, and there's no difference between you or I going out to the nearest rancher and saying, hey, I would like to go shoot one of your calves or lambs for dinner. How much? And the rancher responding with, well, here's the going price per pound. Go shoot one, we'll weigh it, and I'll charge you appropriately. The difference we should be focusing on here is the part of the story where the crime is committed. For whatever reason, this livestock grower has decided to go directly against a state agency trying to control the spread of a 100% fatal and infectious disease. The regulatory body in Minnesota for captive cervids, like these whitetails, is the Minnesota Board of Animal Health, who was asked by Minnesota DNR to enact a temporary captive deer shipment closure, which they declined. This flies right in the face of anything I have read from the USDA regarding disease transmission. The DNR states that they are trying to protect the state's wild deer population. The deer farmer states that his business has maintained a 100% CWD-free facility. 15 years ago, he stopped shipping outside deer to his farm, and the transportation of his deer to sportsman shows are what keeps him in business. The deer do not leave the trailer. They do not come in contact with any deer. What is the problem? This is a misdemeanor violation of which this farmer is guilty. It's punishable by a $1,000 fine and 90 days in jail. 
One last interesting thing about this is the deer farmer apparently spent 30 years as law enforcement, which he references here in a statement provided by the Star Tribune. Quote, almost 30 years protecting victims of crime, and now I'm raising livestock deer. And they say they're going to make me into a criminal. Now, I'm no legal expert, but I did like to raise a little cane in my youth. Not like the opossum folks in North Carolina, just been in the law a bit. And this defense of the law made me into a criminal, uh, in my experience, I don't think that's going to work out for you. At least it never did for me. Uh, You see, officer, if the law didn't say, then I wouldn't, uh, I mean, you get it, right? Last but not least, and I'll be honest, as I have not wrapped my head around this one yet, and it will be a while before I do, Australia is burning. Currently over 26 million acres, roughly 41,000 square miles have burned. That's the entire state of Tennessee on fire all at once. From afar, it seems the country hit a critical mass this fire season when a long drought combined with record-breaking heat, arson, and yes, the ever more noticeable effects of climate change. We still aren't out of the woods yet. Fire season traditionally peaks in late January, but this year has been odd to say the least. Estimates in terms of wildlife impact are very hard to know, but loss of over a billion animals ranging from kangaroos to fruit bats and amphibians is already likely, if not certain. It is difficult to know how to help, but fires like this leave lasting scars and reclamation and more importantly, future prevention of fire on this scale will be critical, not to mention the habitat left. If anyone listening has a good way to help, please let me know. I did see that that big badass of a rugby player and seemingly all-around good guy, David Pocock of the Australian national team, is matching donations through his Instagram page. He is a friend of Meat Eater, but that's just one small source, I trust, and we're looking for a lot more. Good luck over there. Thanks, that's all I've got for you. And as per usual, let me know how I'm doing by writing in to AskCal, that's A-S-K-C-A-L, at TheMeatEater.com. If you like what you're hearing, tell some friends and leave me a review by hitting that furthest right-hand star. I'll talk to you next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel, gum, and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance Axis deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis deer sticks, sent right to your door visit mauinuivenison.com that's m-a-u-i-n-u-i venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order